Hello, everybody. Welcome to today and welcome to Death Valley Girls podcast. I'm Bonnie and I talk to heroes about what excites them and we also talk about the mysteries of the universe. If you like this podcast or a fan of Death Valley Girls, please go support us on our Patreon page, Death Valley Girls at Patreon. And now, for today's hero, we have Eva Walker of the Black Tones. I'm a huge fan of the Black Tones and it's so cool to see a band from afar that you really like and then get a talk to one of the humans in the band and find out they're super, super cool. I'm excited for y'all to hear this one. I'll link all their info in the show notes. Go check them out. Uh, they rule. And now, please welcome to your head and hearts, Eva Walker. Hi. Hi. So good to meet you and talk to you. And uh, it's super exciting for me when you just see people like on Instagram or whatever it is, and they're just, or even in their videos. And it's like, that's not who they are as much as like, if you just saw photos of me or video of me at my show, it's like not who I am. So I'm super excited to see you and talk to you and get to know you today. (laughs) I feel the same way. I love Death Valley Girls. (laughs) Um, Been a fan for a while. So this is awesome. That's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Will you tell everybody what your name is and what your band is and then anything else you want to tell everybody? My name is Eva Walker, and I play in a band with my twin brother called The Black Tones. And in addition to that, I host a show called All the Oasis on KEXP. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess I don't know. Um, I don't know how exactly that we completely met, but I remember that you were we did a cover of Breakthrough. Um, yes. We, yeah, we had like this we were like obsessed with this, um, all of these concepts and then got obsessed with this. Like, um, I think it was, I, do you know where they're from? Nigeria. Okay. So it was, it was like yeah. a Nigerian psych comp and we didn't know that that was a cover. So we did a cover of their song and then we found out that it was a cover and we were like, Whoa, that's crazy. Like, you know, just so crazy, but yeah, you're the only, person or people to know that like the funkies and it was like so cool um i love that music because i found this compilation called the world Ends psychedelic and afro rock of 1970s nigeria and it included that song and that was like the song i was or that record that compilation i was listening to when we wrote our um record our debut record and so i loved it so when troy played that troy nelson played your cover i was like oh my god (laughs) someone else knows this song that's so cool (laughs) how'd you get turned on to that like type of music or or because that's like what we were listening to before we recorded and that's how like where our brain was at but how did your brain get in on that (laughs) yeah so I do this thing where I I call it wormholes so I do this thing where I go down a YouTube wormhole and just kind of find random things and so now I have this segment anytime I'm on KXP on a Wednesday called Walker's Wormhole Wednesday it's just stuff I find going down the YouTube wormhole and that was one of my finds I first I, I think the first song I heard off that compilation was a song called Rough Rider um, from the high grades and then I okay. ended up exploring the entire compilation and found that song and just found some of the best music I've ever heard in my life I mean Nigeria in the 70s was killer yeah <laughs> it's crazy well total like I didn't 
it's crazy to me that that's like where we ended up, you know, like, um, yeah, how did but, you guys find it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. It's like, well, we, our last record, uh, Underspell Joy, we wrote so that we would have, um, not like spells, but like mantras or stuff to say. Cause we we're like, we're going to sing this every day for like years. We have to have the words mean something. It can't just be whatever. Not, not that our other songs don't mean anything, but it was like, it needs to be sort of spells, manifestation spells, like um, affirmations or reminders in some way. So, and then we couldn't sing that because there was the pandemic. So it was like, we wrote all these songs that were just about the amount of times you say them. And then we kind of were still on that path of like, I don't know, of just like, I just was really into the idea of like lots of voices, I guess. Uh, we had like a kids choir and like um, like five backing singers on Underspell Joy. And then I was like, I just something about like a lot of people singing at once. And then I think I got that was like the natural next thing was to go back to like Africa um, and like psych music and just like hear when a bunch of people sing in unison. I became obsessed yeah. with that, you know, like there's just something about that I guess maybe because it was the middle of the pandemic and it was like something that was so far away from what could happen um yeah but yeah it's so I was just like uh, the the power of a bunch of people singing unison I guess is how we found it Um, yeah and you guys do a good job at that I like that about the song the universe also and we've incorporated kind of doing more gang vocals in our um in our songs too I love that too (laughs) that's so cool so have you so you're in a band with your twin brother um have you like can you talk about that and like how you how your band started how your musical life together everything else yeah, well, I used to not invite my family to performances because I was too, they're from New Orleans. <laughs> they're oh, from the wow. South, so be, they'll be honest with you. <laughs> it's yeah, not yeah, very yeah. good. Yeah. So when I was first starting off, I never invited them because I wanted to only be really, really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so when I finally invited my family to a performance, um, they were like, whoa, when did you learn how to do this? <laughs> it was a solo gig at Folk Life, actually, and it was at the Vera Project. And then my brother was like, Eva, I teared up watching you do that. Like, I had no idea you could sing and, you know, play guitar like that. So he was like, I want to back you up. Like, someone should be backing you up. And so I, um, I, I started playing drums in high school. And all this was when I was 18, 19, 20 years old. I don't even remember how old I was when I invited them to the show, actually. I think it was. No, I think I was 23. <laughs> yeah, um, that, that's funny. That was like the same age where I started to like or like around 20 was the first time where I was like, okay, I need to perform if I want to be a performer. Yeah. Because it's That's terrifying. So I mean, scary. I was really introverted and socially awkward. And I was like, in front of people? No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he was like, I want to learn drums. So I, I he was like, oh, will you cool. teach me the drums? And I was like, sure, I'll, I'll give you some drum lessons. So. Whoa, that's that, so cool. Yeah. Well, Cause I started drums in high school. A teacher told me that I was, because all the boys would play drums. And he told me I was too little to play drums. And I wouldn't oh, be loud really? Yeah. <laughs> he was like, you need to gain like 100 pounds before you can play drums so you can have power. I was like, oh. what? And then I ended up being like the loudest drummer in my school. And I would always break Hell drum yeah. heads because I would just play really loud. But my brother w- wanted drum lessons. So I taught him to play really loud. And then I think we started lessons on our birthday that year. And then like by that fall, we, I had some songs already written. And I was like, 
you want to try these out? That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. So do you, is it, you live in Washington? Yeah. Yeah. We're okay. in Seattle. Okay. But your family's from Louisiana? Yeah. We, me and my siblings are first generation Seattleites, but my family's all from Louisiana. Whoa. Um, they're all from down South. So I grew up eating Southern cuisine every day yeah. and I would make <laughs> my grandma. <laughs> um, and yeah, that's where, and this is mostly my mom's side. I didn't really grow up with my dad's side. My dad was a bank robber actually in the late what? 80s and early 90s. Yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. <laughs> so my dad was born in Seattle, but um, my mom and everyone's from Louisiana. Wait, he's a bank robber. Dang. <laughs> so that was probably like the 90s was probably the last time you could be a bank robber. Like, I know. Easily, you know, <laughs> like because uh, all the rules came in 2001, I feel like. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, so it, I, it was a situation where I think he didn't even wasn't even caught. I think he had to turn himself in or something whoa. like that. Yeah. Can I ask you a few questions about that? Oh, or? go for it. I'll tell you what I know because I'm yeah. still trying to get the whole story from him. Right. But yeah, go for it. Well, so is he alive? Yeah, he's alive. He actually lives in Olympia. <laughs> okay. And is he um, out of Prison? Yeah, he's done serving all that now. And I don't and I rarely say his name because now he sells houses like he's done oh, really, okay. he's done yeah, really yeah. well. You know, he's fine. He's doing great. Well, yeah. Um, well, that yeah, was he, so long was ago. His life. Yeah, like I was 30 years two ago. years old when he went to prison. So I didn't know what was me and Cedric didn't know what was going on. Wow. Um, yeah. And we our debut record ends with a song called Welcome, Mr. Pink, which is about him. And a lot of people think it's uh, a Reservoir Dogs reference, which oh. obviously, you know, the name, of course, it, it, it seems like it would. But I'm like, well, it's actually about a real life Reservoir Dog. And the reason we chose Mr. Pink, even though in Reservoir Dogs, Mr. Pink is kind of racist and terrible. But we chose Mr. Pink because um, my mom told me he and my mom didn't know he was doing any of this. Right. Oh, okay. but his clothes would have um, pink ink or paint on them and same with the car and she kept wondering why he had to keep trading in cars and why his outfits would and he would say he was right. like painting houses or something like that but it's the ink packets on money right. that explodes when you steal it and it was pink wow. apparently wow. <laughs> yeah that's so cool I mean I'm sorry to like um oh it's a great it, rock and roll story I yeah, love it <laughs> I'm sorry that I'm like that's so cool but I really do feel like there's enough precedent set of like bank robbery being like a sometimes a victimless crime in a lot of ways, just in the sense that it's, I mean, it's totally scary and no one should ever uh, be in a scary situation, but it's yeah, also I would like be terrified if I of all the, the yeah, it's just like of all the crimes. Um, I mean, historically, like in movies and everything, it's like, it's almost like a noble crime in a weird way. Yeah. And I'm sorry to any bank tellers or anybody that's <laughs> listening that's had a bad experience with bank robbers, but I do feel like I could think of so many movies or like Dog Day Afternoon, like just so many movies where they, um, and that's my only perspective is that bank robbers are like cool and typically they're like, they're not messing with people, they're messing with these giant corporations that are the bad guys. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because I ran into a quote a few years ago that said, give a man a gun, he robs a bank. Give a man a bank, he robs the world. And I was like, wow, oh, that's real. <laughs> that's so cool. And I can't remember where I saw that. But I was like, wow, that is really deep. And, you know, and this, is, this part's according to my sister. Apparently, he was known as the friendly robber, so he wasn't, like, Aww. 
um, very violent or anything. Yeah, that's <laughs> um, so but cool. But those are just pieces of stories I've heard about it. But one right. day I have to sit them down and just like, I need to record your whole story. Yeah. Like, I want to like record all this before you like die or something. Yeah. So, well, it's, <laughs> um, so it was like multiple banks. Yeah, I believe. Yeah, I believe so. And I don't even think they were all in Washington, actually. Um, I think they were. It may have been across states, but I'm not sure. Okay. Um, yeah, and, but he had a funk band in prison. So when people, because I don't have a lot of musicians in my family, so yeah, say, what's your music history? I'm like, oh, well, my dad like had a funk band in prison. Does that count? <laughs> That's so cool. In in Washington. Yeah, I believe like, it was it was in Washington. Okay, and wait, how old were you? Uh, when he went away to prison, I was, me and Cedric, my twin brother, we were two years old. This was in 1991. Okay. Yeah. And how long was he there for? I don't know. I've heard okay. um, several, it didn't seem like it was that long. Um, I think it was because prior to that, he didn't have a criminal history. Like, he was in the military. Right. Pretty smart guy, actually. Yeah. Um, the things that he's... Um, manic or bipolar or something like that so he kind of had a hard relationship with his parents okay. who weren't very who weren't the nicest people Aww. um and so i think that a lot of that affected him and something just snapped in him and he was just like i gotta support my family and i'm gonna do yeah. this um well i so i don't think it was that long yeah i mean i lord only knows i might rob a bank one day i'm not like <laughs> i'm not opposed to it. i mean it's like it sounds like it, yeah, it's not a person. It, people do are affected, obviously, but it's not like, you know, robbing an old lady's handbag or something. But yeah, that's so interesting. So and I just have to say, I appreciate sharing the story with you because I actually haven't like gone in this much detail about it with anyone um, oh, except wow. for on here. And I really appreciate yeah. sharing all this. With you. <laughs> no, I, that's what this is for. This is, you know, this isn't like a like I said, this isn't like a music podcast. So it's really I mainly think of this as like, um, you know, like we talk to people that do like meditation or all these things. I just want people to learn something that can help them that day. You know, totally. and I think this could help someone. It's like Absolutely. maybe if it helps people look at people differently and realize sometimes people have to make tough decisions. Um, yeah. Sometimes those decisions uh, get you like pink paint on you. That's but, right. <laughs> uh, so I'm just curious, though, also is like, did you have and, and for everything is did you have a clear story? It seems like you're figuring things out. But did you have a story in your mind? Like, did you know that like he was away because he did something or, you know, that's a really good question. Really good question. Growing up, I didn't I didn't really know anything about right. any of that until I think I was until I was a teenager, I, okay. I believe, because when you're, you know, my sister, we're eight years apart. She's old. She's the oldest. And okay. so she was old enough to know what was going on. Um, okay. And then my older brother knew he was going away, but I don't know if he knew why, but okay. me and Cedric didn't. And I think we were sort of pretty much sheltered from that. We were just told right. he's, he's off. He's out yeah. of the way. Well, um, and I didn't really get hip to it until I think about being, until I was about a teenager. Yeah. Well that, I mean, all of those dynamics are really complicated. Like I'm the youngest of four girls. And I think by that time when like the youngest, you know, you're in your own little world yeah, and having exactly. a twin, I imagine you guys probably made up a lot of truths. Um, and 
yeah, like I can't imagine what that's like to have such older brothers and sisters um, know, you know, or just be like, you don't need to know that or whatever it is. It's like, yeah, my sister was very, um, she was very nurturing and, and like, that was just her, her, how she was. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm saying was as she's dead, she's here, but Yay. <laughs> um, that's just how, how she had been. And my older brother was actually a bully and I don't even talk to him now. So oh, no. okay. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately he did not turn out great. Um, but Cedric was just kind of like, really, you know, we were, me and Cedric were each other's rock really. Yeah. Well, I guess I, I mean, I was thinking about that before we talked is like, I, and I know this is just like, I I was thinking about a lot of things before we talked, but it's like when somebody's like, so what's it like being a girl in a band? It's like, I don't know. Like I literally, (laughs) that's just asking me, what is it like to be alive? Cause I'm all, it's not like a girl in a band. I'm always this person and I've just always been in a band. So it's not like a very, you're not being smart asking me that. So I was just like, but I always do the same thing to people that are twins. Cause I'm like, it just seems so special. Cause my understanding of growing up was like very lonely and very, hmm. not even in a bat. It was just like, you know, what I, like there wasn't, there wasn't another person there. And I guess it's, so I'm always like, Oh, what's it like to be a twin? But I guess you can't answer that. How many years apart are you and all your I'm five years apart from the closest one and then like 10 and 15 years apart. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, like just. I my understanding is like I've had a lot of friends that are twins and it's like you go to their house and you all hang out and then you go home and, you know, it's like it just it seems like I, I, I don't know any. And I'm sorry to talk about this because I'm sure it's like no, so it's not fine. exciting to you, but. <laughs> Um, I don't know any like boy and girl twins. Um, so that's exciting. Um, yeah, it's but, the greatest yeah. thing ever. I, my twin brother is everything. I, he's my whole universe. I love yeah. him so much. And I know some twins that aren't close and I don't get it. Like, yeah. oh my God, how can you not be close to your twin? Now I can't imagine being identical because maybe there's like, you know, identity issues where you're like, I'm trying to just be seen as this individual and not always associate. So I don't know what that experience is like. Right. Um, but being fraternal, I mean, we've had, we were in school and people would like hit my hand and be like, Cedric, did you feel that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but we just can read each other really well and communicate really well. You know, yeah. um, it's, it's kind of unbelievable. No, and this weird, um, to lack of a better word, I'm very atheist, but it's this weird blessing that also as someone who, because I think about death a lot, which I'm sure maybe we'll get there. Yeah. Death a lot. And it's also like, it's this blessing to have them because the universe is huge and I could have had anyone else and I ended up with him, but I'm like, I I get to have him, but then I also get to lose him. And like, that breaks my heart also. And so I just think about all that stuff a lot and I'm kind of a, existentialist or whatever yeah which um, I think about stuff all the time and I'm like yeah. I never want to lose them but I know I will and I need to think about how lucky I was to have them well, it's like, yeah no that's so I mean I think that that's the most natural thing in the world do you mind talking about that a little bit because I think um a big a big thing that I'm I'm learning and I'm coming to feel and believe in um is shocking to me. I'm like, I didn't like when I was a kid and everything and people were like, like who, some people like 
God is real. And some people are like, God is not real. And I was just like, I don't, I'm a kid. Like, I don't see what this has to do with me. <laughs> you know, it's like, I just I was like, I'll figure it out like over my lifetime. But right now I just don't care. Like, you know what I mean? I was like, I just don't understand even what you're talking about. There's some guy floating in the sky. That's just like, knows everyone's thoughts. That seems not real to me, you know? And then yeah. like the later and later I go, the more I believe in, everything like I believe there is probably a guy just a guy floating up there like you know and there's so many guys floating up there and so many girls and so many things but uh I guess if you feel comfortable can we talk about um like your and I think it's totally normal and totally natural and um and awesome and heroic but yeah can you talk about uh death a little bit and why that's something you think about so much or yeah yeah yeah. No, totally. It's weirdly one of my favorite topics. Cool. Okay, good. I didn't know. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm always bringing it up. My friends are like, Eva, how come every time we're hanging out, I'm thinking about my mortality? <laughs> I'm just like, sorry. <laughs> um, so back in 1997, November 10th, 1997, this is how I'm going to start my, my TED talk. Okay, <laughs> good. I never Go get one it. about death. Yeah. On November 10th, 1997, my aunt died really horrifically um in a car accident so in Texas and I didn't know her that well but I had met her and I was eight years old and I knew of her and I was you know we were close-ish to my cousin even though he lived in Texas and that was my first introduction to death yeah. and I remember walking up the stairs because we all lived in my grandparents house there were seven of us in one house yeah um like I grew up sharing a bed with my mom or sharing a room with my mom and my sister and um I remember my mom screaming and I was like, what is going on? Just yeah. at eight years old, she's screaming and crying. And then I was told later, like, hey, Christopher, my cousin, who I'm, you know, closer to than his mom, Christopher's mom died. And this, the thought of someone's mom dying, I was like, kind of in shock. And yeah. I remember being really scared and nervous, not sure what was going on. And then I learned that death is you never see that person ever again, Whoa. at least I think, you know right. what I mean? Um, and then I began to then fear losing my own mom. So anytime my family was out doing something, um, then I would kind of be like, when are they coming home? And they started to kind of just get fearful, get a lot of anxiety. So when all my family was home, I would count everyone to make sure they were home. They didn't know I was doing this, but I was basically slowly developing OCD later. Okay. I later found out. Wow. Um, and so uh, since that day, it's just been a big part of my life. It started with me losing my own mom and doing rituals and, and touching things and repeating things in my head. And um, then it started to go out to the rest of my family members. I'm like, right. I got to, I have to protect them from whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, and so that, that day changed my life. And it wasn't until I was a teen and I was watching MTV and there was this program on about people who had this thing called OCD. Yeah. And I was like, what is that? Was it and real said, life? Yeah, it was real life. I love that show. I've been trying yeah. to find that show that I learned so much 
And I watched that one too. That's amazing. Yeah. Like, and I cool. remember just sitting there yeah. watching it and seeing all these people doing yeah. all these weird symptoms. And I was like, oh my God, I did this exact same thing, but I wasn't able to identify it. That's so amazing. the very next day I went to my school nurse and I was like, I think I have this thing called OCD. I saw it on MTV last night. Yeah. <laughs> and then she sent me to a counselor at another school. And ever since then, I finally was able to put a name to it. And then Whoa. saw there was a community for that, a whole, a whole group, a whole population that had it and so I was like I have a real thing and I did a bunch of research on it and then I was like okay I have OCD that's amazing Um, I wake up thinking about death I go to sleep thinking about this it's on my mind all the time and it's I have like little um exercises my psychologists have given me to to work through I have a OCD book that I refound that um I use and I you know I went on I was on antidepressants and things like that for a while and I would have the most disturbing nightmares uh, before I was on medication and things just like funerals of people I never met seeing dead bodies um people that were like staring at me and like oh just a whole there's a whole thing that's that's for another podcast it'll take too long to explain (laughs) this is really this is really 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 cool I'm so thank you so much for sharing this yeah this I feel like, really comfortable with you. I think uh, it's because I'm just a big fan. And I'm like, I want to tell you everything. No, well, I don't want you to feel like you have to say anything you don't want to. But I feel like before we talked, I was like, I don't know what we're going to talk about. But this is exactly it. Because I feel like OCD is really important, really common. And the signs of it aren't what people think. And I think how yeah. you just said you saw uh, real life or true life, whatever it's called. And they that you found out, I think this podcast could help people because um, I didn't like, I have the same thing in certain, in certain like situations that when I'm I, like, I'm, I'm, I'm have a plane phobia. So on the plane, mm. I have all these rituals I have to do that I think are keeping the plane in the sky. Mm. If I don't do it all, I think that I'm going to cause uh, the plane to crash. And wow. I realized that that's a similar it's it's a compulsive behavior trying to yep. create uh, an outcome where you don't have control. And I think that that's what OCD is to my Absolutely. understanding. And I guess, do you think, is it something for you that like manifested because of the accident or was it always in you or do you like, how, do, how does it work? I don't really know if it's yeah. like, that's a that's a really good question. You know, I don't have any memory of being so of paying so much attention to it until November tenth, nineteen ninety eight. Honestly, right. um, and I was so young that um, and and that and like I was saying, like I wasn't even I was so young that I can't I wasn't even that self aware if that right. was something that was always inside of me, but. My it, And it wasn't so much that I was close to my aunt and suddenly she was gone because for some people it's losing someone really close. It was the fact that I had the idea of, oh, no, I know my cousin Christopher really well. Christopher's not going to see his mom ever again. What if I never see my mom ever again? Well, so it just kind of happened like that. Whereas I had a friend in high school who lost her brother to suicide and she didn't develop OCD until after that incident. So um, she didn't develop until she was a teenager. So sometimes it can just be brought on by traumatic experiences or it could be something that you're born with. Um, And my dad, again, was like manic and bipolar. So it may have been something that could have always been there. But my first like 
real moment of paying attention to death was after that happened. Right. Well, I feel like that's completely fair. Like I have little nephews and they're so cute. And like, I remember one of them seven now they're like seven and 11. And one of them was like, I can't remember what exactly all was happening, but I think he was like, somebody asked him, so what happens after you die? And I was like, don't tell him people die. But like, he, he knew what it was. Like, he's like, you go away and you never come back. And I was like, whoa, why is he, you know, it's just like, I, I think, I think it's <laughs> totally fair when you learn that. I think it's weird to not be, have like an existential crisis. Like it's totally crazy. It doesn't make any sense. And the yeah. fact that it's the, totally makes sense and that everyone knows it is so like mind blowing. It, it really is like, I think you did exactly the right thing. I think, <laughs> you know, I, I really feel like it makes perfect Thank sense you. to be like, oh my God, this changes everything. Yeah. You know, it's yeah, pretty exactly. weird that it doesn't, you know? And I was like, maybe I need to be, I can control this by doing something, which is, you know, called magical thinking. Like I can do something to prevent this from being my mother. And my, my twin brother, his daughter, my niece, she starts to ask about death. And my brother would tell me, he's like, because uh, my stepfather passed away in 2020 from cancer. Oh, and no, we I'm called sorry. him Papa Tony. And Olivia, she'll be like, um, do you miss Papa Tony? Or, you know, where is it? She'll ask questions like that. But she's pretty, she's pretty calm about it when she yeah. asks about it, you know. And, it's, yeah. and she's four. You know, it's really interesting. And so that was her introduction is really, really early when he passed. I don't remember anything before four years old, barely four years old. Do I remember anything? And I wasn't yeah. asking anything about anyone dying. Um, so it's kind of amazing how observant she is and how, yeah. um, how much she pays attention to that stuff, but she'll ask questions about them. Um, and sometimes I don't know how they answer. I'm like, Oh, maybe I should just let your parents answer. Yeah, <laughs> Cause totally. I don't want to put anything in. That's not, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but my well, brother's really good at talking to her about it. Yeah, it's so hard to know like what you're allowed to say, especially if you grow up in a family dynamic that has held certain not secrets, but like not been like we talk about everything. It's like it, you don't know what you're allowed to talk about, what you're not allowed to talk about. Like, yeah. And my my nephew, I think, asked me. He asked me something about how babies are born or I think, yeah, he asked me something about how like two moms can have a baby and I was and my sister was like, you can tell him. And I was like, ah, oh. you know, and I, I try, I did, but it was just like, I don't feel comfortable being the one to like explain the like big parts of life. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. I, just, I don't feel comfortable with that, but that's so cool. Wow. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. I feel like. Thanks for letting me share that. Yeah. And can <laughs> sorry, you, that like, was kind of heavy. <laughs> no, it's okay. I, I, I'm, I'm bipolar. So I have lots of uh, magical thinking things too. And, and it's weird for me because the more like I learn and become, you know, myself, the more magical this experience is. And the more I'm like, can I control, you know, it's like, if you, you know, manifesting all the stuff, it's like the, the line between what's going to get you in trouble with the doctors and what's real, you exactly. know, it's just like, really interesting and it's really cool to talk to somebody else that has a different experience with this and I think um so and it validates you because as days go by and people keep living you're like well it must be working right yeah, and you're yeah. just like <laughs> if I stop I don't want to know what tomorrow's gonna hold it's, right. it's just weird like you have to like try to 
like, okay, I'm not actually doing anything. I don't think. Yeah. So do you like, and I take medicine and you can feel free to not talk about anything at all. Like there's no, I don't want you to say anything that you don't. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm an open book. This is all stuff that I've made peace with. And um, yeah, I totally made peace with it. So you, is there like, for me, since I'm bipolar, there's like some days I would say for the most part, like I'm the same. And then some days it's like, what? And is it, is that the same with OCD where it's like pretty much, or is it just every day there's a bunch of stuff and you just manage it? It's the latter. Yes. It's, it's a bunch of stuff that I just happen to manage. So um, I actually had put off therapy for a long time and then it got to the point where (laughs) yeah, I was like, no, I don't need to do this. And then I, it started to affect my driving because certain things that I would do would require my focus until I felt like it was fixed. And then I was like, okay, if I don't go to therapy, I'm not going to be able to drive anymore. Um, So I went to a psychologist, did that for a while, stopped it, went to another psychologist and I liked her because she was like kind of (laughs) gothic. Oh, cool. Um, It just like worked out. I was like, oh man, she's like the white version of me. I like her. (laughs) And so um, I stayed with her and um, the minute I started, you know, um, it was really, I really dug into it. Cause I was like, I want to cure this or manage this. Yeah. And so I had to write out my worst fears, like worst scenarios okay. of things that could happen to people that I care about. And so basically even today, like she helped me with cognitive therapy with a, a mixture of, uh, so I had the psychiatrist also who prescribed the 200 milligrams of Zoloft, my goodness. Oh, dang. Okay. And then I had, and that was her response to after telling her the dreams I had. She goes, Whoa, we're going to give you 200 milligrams oh my of God. this. Okay. And then a mixture of that in the cognitive therapy, it, it, I have to say, it was the best I felt in a long Yay. time. That's um, amazing. And then I got to the point where I didn't want to stay on the, and I, on the, and I, the Zoloft. Basically. Totally. Because um, that's the cycle. I think everyone yeah, needs to hear this. Okay, go ahead. I didn't want to stay on it. And the thing what happened was the pharmacy had messed up on my prescription or something. So I went like two days without it. So 200 milligrams is zero. And I remember looking at the pharmacy. I'm like, what do you mean it's mixed up? I'm at zero. You want me to go home and hang myself? Because this is going to be your fault. Yeah. I was just like, I can't go from 200 to zero. Yeah. So basically at that point, I was like, I shouldn't do this anymore. And so I I got off a bit, but was continuing the cognitive therapy. Yeah. And so basically the skills or the, the um, exercises I learned from the cognitive therapy, which was years ago now, I still use to this day. And I refound the workbook. I'm like pointing to it. Yeah, no, I know what that means. I I refound the workbook. (laughs) Like I point at my phone that we use. Oh yeah. Like everything. I'm like, it's right here. My phone. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. I, I refound the OCD workbook that yeah. I use. And so that way um, I could just work. I think I can work through it on my own until okay. I feel like I need to go back to therapy. But um, there's stuff going through my head all the time. Some of it really, really dark a lot, a lot of the time. And at least every day, it's pretty dark. And I just have to power through it and work okay. through it. And I'm kind of to the point now where I'm just used to living with it. Right. Used to living yeah. with these thoughts and just not getting too stoned to make sure I don't go down too dark of a hole. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> but does um, getting yeah. stoned help? Um, it helps relax me because I can't sleep. <laughs> you can't ever sleep because I have dreams. a hard time sleeping. Um, is it mostly? Is it, 
sorry is it because of your dreams um it's not it's it's not so much of the dreams like i'm not scared to fall asleep i just the gears are just you can't going quiet and, it down exactly exactly can't quiet it down so i have a hard time um sleeping in general and i've been like that for years is it um, sorry to interrupt you again oh is go ahead it, is it easier for you to sleep after you play or harder Hard actually, okay. because I'm with that, I'm worked up, you right. know, and I have this energy and I'm not ready to okay. kind of like settle it, down yet. Have you noticed anything that makes it easier to sleep? Yeah. Um, reading this is like oh, is reading. a snooze because okay. it puts me to sleep. <laughs> okay. No, I'm not asking like judging. I'm like, tell me the Oh, secret. no. Yeah. No. Yeah. Totally. Um, yeah. No, reading will help me go to sleep. I love grim fairy tales. So I'll, oh, cool. I'll read stuff like that. And um, I can't listen to music that won't make me go to sleep as a musician. I, can't I don't either. know about you. That like keeps no. me up. I'm thinking about it. No. Um, I'm like, wait, they did what there? I never heard that. Yeah. Before. Yeah. I don't know exactly. why. Wait, what? Like, oh, I didn't hear cool. that part of that. Yeah, totally. Wait. So, okay. So I have a question that might be a little bit if this seems too weird, just then pretend I didn't ask it. But do you feel that, like, because I believe that I have guides telling me stuff and I believe that I have, like, um, like different kinds of guides that are also just like, let's do this for fun. Might not be in your best interest, but it'll be fun. You know, like, just all these different things in my mind that don't feel like they're of me. It's of me, but it's not me. Do you feel like this is entirely parts of you in your head or do you feel like it's something else um you ask great questions um (laughs) I feel so I have a voice in my head that is typically against me we kind of fight (laughs) or they're saying something and I'm like countering it with no that's not true or no that's not gonna happen so so I have that every day um, is that... And so we don't get along. Okay. Is and that... I feel like that's my brain chemistry. So a little bit about me. I, I was raised Catholic. And so I went to church like twice a week. I went to a Catholic school. Very, very Catholic. <clears throat> and then about junior year, sophomore year, I kind of started to question things. And, and now I, I'm very... And it's weird because I believe in science and I call myself a Saganist as in a believer of whatever Carl Sagan tells me. Yeah, t- that's uh, awesome. You know, that's how I feel. Yeah. Um, but I typically describe myself as very, very atheist. But I think to be accurate, and if I'm going to believe in what science tells me, I have to go with agnostic because I also don't know if there isn't a God or I, I don't because you also can't prove that there isn't. So if I'm going to be accurate and <laughs> agnostic, um, but I'm typically like very atheist, but I, I believe in like the... Um, I believe in this, this is, and not in a theist way. I believe in the idea of Satan being someone who challenged um, authority. Yeah. You know, so um, sometimes I identify with the Satanist, um, yeah. but the, the atheist Satanist, not the theist Satanist. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> um, and I've had, I've met like the leader of the Satanic Temple, and we've had lunch before, and I've met that community, and they're wonderful people doing yeah. amazing activism and things like that. So yeah, I've identified I'm... a bit with that community That's sometimes, awesome. too. And when I tell people Satanists, they're like, oh, my God, no, you're a I devil mean, worshiper. Yeah. I'm like, no, if I don't believe in God, I don't believe in that kind of Satan yeah, either. <laughs> for sure. And so I usually if I'm at a show and I'm like, Satan, like, I don't, it's just, it's hilarious to me. Yeah. Um, but that's no, like the idea sure. of Satan that I actually, um, 
like agree with and, and think about when I think about Satanism. Well, at this point, I think also their activism is like the the coolest, like satanic oh, yeah. act. It's just like, yeah, I'm against this bullshit you're into. It's not God or Satan or whatever. It's not like yeah. right or wrong. It's like, or it is. It's like you guys are wrong. Like you don't believe <laughs> in like, you know, these truths or just like sexuality make like or it's just this idea that anyone is less important than anyone else I know. is completely crazy. It's and disgusting. if you have to be a Satanist to feel that way, then that's what I am too. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's so weird that some people, how can anyone think some people are more important than other people? I know like, it's disgusting. You know, it's, it's like, really gross. We should be like humans should be high-fiving each other that we were all chosen to be born or we won yeah. the, the sperm race or whatever. Yeah. Instead, we're like, let's hate each other and fight each other. It's like, hey, there's way more people that didn't get to be born and we're not having a party here. We're instead maybe That's trying to true. make it miserable for each other. <laughs> yeah. like, what the hell is that? That's true. <laughs> well, I guess, sorry to go back, but I guess I asked you um, about whether or not you feel like that voice is of you because like in a lot of other countries and cultures like and I'm not not saying that it's good or bad or what you are but like the way that mental illness is viewed like particularly like schizophrenia is viewed like a spiritual thing where they like are talking to someone else and there is Mm -hmm. something only here and in western places is it like you're crazy like that's just you know what I mean it's it's like it seems weird to me to I, I think it, I'm just asking because it's like, is it like a radio on where you're getting like another channel or or do you think you maybe have like created another like because sometimes also when people have really hard like um, situations when they grow up or just or not. But you um, when you become not I can't remember the word, but not detached, but you forgot what it's called, like when you disassociate. Hmm. Um, you can start to create like your own boundaries when you don't have them. So you can create a voice that's like telling you boundaries or if like someone's so mean to you, you just get that voice in your head and you're like, I'm bad. I'm bad. But yeah, I guess, do you feel like, do you feel like maybe you created it to make yourself safe? Like as a defense? That's a good question. I feel like it, it's something that came with the, the, um, I don't know. Is, is disorder an okay word to use? Yeah, totally. Okay. Well, you, I guess, I'm sorry. You made, you're, you said that your dad has like a mental. Um, yeah. He was variant. discharged from the army or the Marines for um, bipolar disorder, actually. Okay. Um, honor, honor, discharged. Yeah. I don't know. That's why it's so hard to say. No, it's. So um, <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, you know, the the voices mostly combative. Like we we don't agree with each other, right? <laughs> and I'm usually trying to counter it, and that's been that's just been years and years and years. Yeah. So I feel like it's it's it came with, um, you know, when you see those ads, that's like. get this, but if you order now, get this thing for free. It's like, it came for free with the, right. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) totally. That's so funny. You know? Yeah. And it's not anything that I personally feel is spiritual versus just um, 
a brain wiring thing. Or okay, brain that's fair. I'm not trying thing. to. Oh tell no, me. you are doing tell great. This is awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, this is awesome. I'm actually I'm having a really good time on this, and I love yeah, having this, this conversation so with you. Um, yeah. But yeah, and it's and it's just me, me personally. And again, you know, if I'm going to be clear or not clear, but if I'm going to be accurate, I should say agnostic because also none of these things I can prove don't exist. Like, I, it could be very spiritual, and I have no idea you know? Yeah. And, um, and so I'm never, I'm one of those, like, let's coexist. I don't want to get rid of people's religions and spiritualities and things. I, I actually don't believe in getting rid of, I think some religion does help some people. I want to get rid of the people who are corrupting it and who are shitty and crappy and yeah. use it as a weapon. But <laughs> I, um, growing up Catholic, there were some good things about it that I still, uh, follow by even as an atheist. Um, but I'm, I'm very much a pro coexist person versus um destroy everyone's freedom of thought and yeah. beliefs and and only not believe in anything like me like I'm just like that's not gonna work even yeah, if, it's not even work. if I did want it that way that won't work <laughs> yeah totally well thank you so much for sharing all of that but I feel like we're gonna have to talk again because I don't like I wasn't yeah, expecting this, this but I'm gonna have like a billion <laughs> other questions um but I guess um so, and I did, I do want to add, I did, there was a period of, I don't know how many years, I was obsessed with aliens. Whoa. Like, obsessed with aliens. I okay. would draw them all the time. I would collect little, those little, do you remember those little glass aliens that came in, like, those bubblegum machines? Yeah. I had, like, a zillion of those. Whoa, and I was just so crazy cool. about aliens. I don't, I don't know why. And I love your, I know this is a podcast, so they can't, like, see us, but I love your UFOs in the background. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I feel like. I feel like whatever you feel is important. Like if you're like, I don't like your journey doesn't have to be to feel whether or not that those voices are outside of you. It's like, if you were like, I feel like it's outside of me, I'd be like, whoa. Um, but I feel like the alien thing for me, like it's just what pulled me into my life. I'm this like section of my life, which is just like, oh my God, we're not like, alone obviously <laughs> there are like we're just one of them um, so many things and why is it so important for people to believe that we're alone like that you yeah. know so that was just like for me like I love aliens and it all of it stands for uh yeah and, we're and just definitely like, not alone there's definitely other life and other things out the universe is way too big for us to be the only significant thing walking yeah. like it's just crazy to to think that we're the only ones yeah well it's it's just so spooky too like it's so spooky to imagine that we are the only things here sorry can you hear my dog snoring no i, I can't okay. actually she's like <laughs> i wish right. i could though that's so yeah. cute <laughs> she's just like moaning and groaning she's like aliens again uh. um oh but do you mind talking about your dreams a little bit yeah um yes actually so um I'm gonna tell you the dreams I told the psychiatrist if that's okay yeah it's up to you yeah yeah um because it's just significant to like the journey after that yeah but um and leading up to it I guess so I went and I'm just going to give you the psychologist story really quickly. Yeah. So basically um, I saw the psychiatrist first and um, she was like, tell me about everything. Told her about, you know, what happened with my aunt and then just kind of how everything progressed, how I discovered it on MTV, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and 
when I started to talk about them, I was like, I also have these really disturbing dreams. And she was like, well, tell me about them. And so um, one of them was, I was, they're really psychedelic and they're really bright. Um, So I was like, I was in this big room and everything, the walls and the floor were like bright pink, just bright, bright pink. But then there were little decorative yellow swirls also. So it was like a pink background with yellow swirls and it was on the carpet and it was on the walls. And I was like, where am I? And then I see um, um, like, I don't know, five or to anywhere between five to eight dark brown chairs that are all empty. And then in, in front of those, a dark brown casket with a dark brown man in it. So everything was just contrasting, which is why I love for example, yeah. you can see the wall behind me. I painted this, this striped wall. Black and white stripes. Yeah, yeah. This Something with the color contrast. But I'm at this funeral, and there's no one there. And it's just these colors are just blinding. And I there's this dead person in this coffin. I have no idea who it is. And typically... When I see, when I'm seeing these dead people, not to sound like the sixth sense, when I'm seeing these dead people in dreams, I don't normally recognize who they are. I don't know them. Um, So I'm at this funeral and uh, I'm the only one in there and it's just pink and brown everywhere. So that's one just image of what I I see, what I, what I get or whatever. And there was another one where I was at a funeral procession (laughs) and it was in downtown somewhere um, we'll say Gotham City. It was downtown. Okay. <laughs> I don't know where I was. Down. Yeah. <laughs> and um, there was the there was the hearse, and they put the casket in it, and then the hearse drove off, and then there was people standing there, and it was pretty quiet and empty, except for a handful of people. And then suddenly, everyone turns around and looks at me, and then they start doing this weird dance where they are there's no music or anything they start stepping to the right and they kick their foot out and then they step to the left and they kick their foot out and they're staring at me but every time they get to one side and they kick their foot out they say help so they go to the next side they go help and it just continues and i'm just like okay wow what is this um and then the most recent one I had was, I don't know what building I was in, but I go into a room and there's an open casket with somebody in it. And I'm and they're just sitting there and I'm like, this isn't the right room. And everything's kind of a tannish color. Um, wow. And so I just see a lot of dead bodies right. all the time in my dreams. And I'm not, what's weird is that I'm not as freaked out as I should be. I'm just kind of like, puzzled I'm like what is going on and yeah. so I don't have dreams with like monsters and things like that and that's the same reason why movies with monsters and goriness don't scare me it's psychological imagery that that's actually pretty subtle and still and consistent that scares shit out of me you know right. yeah um, it's it's bizarre and I actually uh, make sure my husband doesn't hear this part I dated a mortician once and okay uh we met over a family member's dead body, believe it or not. Um, okay. A family member had died and um, someone called me over. I went over and no one wanted to be in the room. And I was like, I'll sit in the room with him. And I'm singing to myself these like gospel spirituals while I'm yeah. sitting in there with him. And um, they come in and um, 
I'm helping them with the body and they're wrapping him up in his bed sheet and everything. And it, and it was weird. It's just like, I was like, this reminds me of dreams that I've had. Wow. Um, and that was a whole experience. And then that's how me and the mortician met and we started talking about yeah. that. And I thought I wanted to be a mortician for a while and run the funeral home. And then I later decided I can't work on kids. That would break my oh, heart. Yeah. So no, I was like, sure. I can't have a funeral home that says, sorry, we don't take kids. Yeah, no, <laughs> you you know? that. <laughs> wow, well, that's incredible. It sounds, I mean, it from, and again, like we all have different points of view that we come from spiritually or not spiritually or whatever, but I'm just getting a very strong feeling that this is like, um, this is like a through line for you, like something that is coming from before. Um, it's none of my business to talk about this stuff because I'm not like a, a psychic or a healer or anything, but it seems like you have some, some sort of thing with dead people um, that yeah. comes from before a different, a different experience. Cause I mean, I would maybe look into that. Like, I don't know if you, I can give you like a number after if you want, but it, it really seems like having these dreams that are, that's a beautiful and amazing and like David Lynchian kind of like, <laughs> yeah. you know, scene or the help. Like, that's just like a beautiful, beautiful scene. Yeah. And it's a so, very subtle help. Like, it was just like help. It was all just the same kind of calmness and yeah, they're just staring I, at me. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? That's like you guys have wake to up, a Eva. music video or something. <laughs> I know, that is so cool. But yeah, I feel like um, I feel like this might be like a a, a shadow or something from before because it's to have that much connection to this thing that doesn't feel like part of your life. I think, in my understanding, is from a past life. And even if a past life, if you don't believe in that stuff, it it might the stories around it that someone can tell you might make sense in this life. You know, like even if you don't believe in certain things uh, the way other people explain them, like astrology, it doesn't make it real or not real when someone describes it to you, but you can find some sort of, um, you know, something in there that might be healing. And I, and I actually agree with that because I do think there's something in my, in my roots and just in my family yeah. Even now, because them being from Louisiana and being yeah. from New Orleans, I mean, death is very much open and talked yeah. about and everywhere. And it's part of the culture in New yeah. Orleans, uh, death. And so that's the, I think that's part of it. Too, yeah, honestly. that's the whole other side of it is like, my belief is that when we come here, we have like our whole, our eternal self, whatever that is, that's my belief. But that doesn't take away from the fact that we are made of the bodies we are made from. And it's not like the stuff that if you're like, you can have stuff from your dad, that means you can have stuff from your grandparents, your great, great, like you do have stuff. So this could just be something that you've just gotten along the line, but like, we don't hear in, I don't know, on the West coast and the Pacific Northwest, we don't <laughs> think of it that way. We think yeah. of getting like hair color or like whatever from our parents, but we don't think of like. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And it's one of the things that I actually deal with when um, people talk, because I, I don't know much about like um, the Gothic culture, yeah. but 
yet I feel very gothic if I have the yeah. right idea of it. And but yeah. I'm not. I, I wear a lot of black, and black's my favorite color. But yeah. that's mostly for a lot of other reasons, and mostly for racial reasons too. Because I was grow. I grew up watching Disney movies and all the dark characters. Everyone was evil. So yeah. I learned to embrace and enjoy darker colors because of that. It wasn't so much because I I thought about being gothic. So people will assume that I'm gothic. Um, where I'm like, I don't know, maybe I am because of just how my brain works, but it's definitely not like I don't wear the platform shoes and I don't do the spikes everywhere. It's just all very uh, mentally yeah. some sort of relates to some kind of goth culture in a way in that sense, I guess. Yeah, no, totally. Well, I think like when I, I we've had her on here, but I went to this um, like a healer lady and the things that she there's certain things you just know in your gut that you just know to be true. And you have no idea why, like, why, why they, like for me, it's like, I went to school for jazz. Like why? And she was like, Oh, you used to be a jazz singer in like a past life. And it's like, it just is like, Oh my God, that makes, that makes sense to me. Or like certain things of like telling me about my grandparents. I was like, Oh, that makes sense to me because it doesn't make sense that I just pick that up randomly here. And I think, yeah, people, I think people are going to start to realize that you don't have to believe in past lives. Just believe in your grandparents, your great grandparents, mm-hmm. that, like things are passed down and it's not just like food allergies or, you know, whatever. the Absolutely. Weird. And so then all the just, traumas of slavery and things like that being passed down yeah. and just the, the, the whole American history and cultures and things that my ancestors went through yeah you're abs- yeah absolutely i well, don't that's know a- what of that is is you know what in my brain is a result of those experiences yeah, totally well that's something totally is that not everyone's background comes from being taken to somewhere that doesn't isn't home at all exactly. <laughs> like you know yeah. and is somebody else's home you know and is not even the people who's taking them there's home like that just, I think that the impact of that, like, has to have an effect upon your whole, th- you know, like, not even how that affects you in this time, but just your phys- the physicalness of a trauma, you yeah. know, is like, and I think it's time for that shit to, you know, like, get acknowledged and, like, I, I, th- I think it is, I guess, a little bit more than before. Um, yeah. Or, or just, yeah, the idea we don't think of ourselves as, like, animals or things, but we do think, like, like yeah, I always think of this as, like, there's specific dogs for specific things, you know? Like, mm. there's, like, the, I can't remember them now, but there's, like, the, um, there's, like, the border call, or there's the ones that are, like, they help wrangle animals and stuff oh, and yeah it's like, yeah that dog hasn't done that for like 500 years but you know that that's what kind of dog that is or people have dogs that dig in the sand or dig in the dirt all day they're like yeah that that's a digging a rabbit totally. dog. <laughs> and they're like yeah like they accept that 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 animals can have imprints from their past but like yep. for some reason when it comes to humans they're just like no I don't exactly. know. That's, that's like you too- need to get over it. It was a long yeah. time ago. It's like, yeah, okay. it's like, no, it's like, it's just as much. And it's like, if I need to go over slavery, I don't want to hear about Jesus anymore. <laughs> well, yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, I guess we're going to have to talk again. Um, yeah, I hope but, so. And I don't have a podcast, but man, I'm gonna, I need to like get one. I want to interview you. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, for sure. Well, totally. Yeah, I, that would be so fun. I th- I'm so glad that we got 
this opportunity to talk and get to know each other. Um, and, you know, and I hope that we get to play together a lot in the future. I was like Same. looking at your videos today and I was just like, wow, like what, <laughs> what a superstar, just like your, your energy is so cool and so amazing and so special and like important. And, uh, Thank yeah, you. I and I just love you guys. Death Valley Girls is <laughs> awesome. Oh my uh, God, you guys are amazing. <laughs> thank you so much. Well, I guess um, where can people find you or, or what kind of news do you want to tell people and where can they find you? <laughs> yeah, they can find us, of course, on all the social medias just under the Black Tones. And we have a website, theblacktones.com. And we just released a couple new singles on Sub Pop. One's called The End of Everything. How very appropriate for this yeah, conversation we've been having. Congratulations about, on that. Thank you. Thank That's you. So cool. And it's actually named after a book called The End of Everything, Astrophysically Speaking. Ooh. And it's literally just like about the end of everything, whether you believe in the second coming of whoever, whomever, that the universe and the world is going to end. And basically a lot of the lyrics are just, my name is Jesus and I came to fuck shit up. My name is Buddha. I came to fuck Buddha, Allah and Confucius, I think is all mentioned in the song. Um, so so cool. it's just, you know, it's, it's, I, I, there's a lot of, which listeners I'm sure have figured out by now. There's a lot of, um, um, the theme of a lot of my writing is, is, Death is in there quite a bit. It makes its appearance. Us <laughs> Death <too>. in space. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's awesome. Yeah, well, it's the only thing we know is going to happen. Absolutely. Um, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much. I'll, I'll put all of your um, info in the show notes. But so good to talk to you and meet you. you. And thanks so much for coming here. Thank you. Bye.